Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. And now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Glad to have you with us again. It is Monday, August 3rd, and we're continuing with our broadcast on innovation in the mortgage industry. We have as our special guest, Terry Wakefield. If you recall last week's broadcast, and if you did not get a chance to listen to last week's broadcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. We had Jack Nunnery on, who is heading up the new mortgage correspondent aggregation platform at Texas Capital Bank, and we talked about all the innovation that's going into that new platform. I had the privilege of being there at the whiteboard when there was no lines on it, started working with it, and then they brought Terry into the process and drew a whole bunch more lines, and then others contributed it, and it's a very innovative new launch and a greenfield experience within the correspondent lending area. So uh, excited to have Terry on. He contributed a great deal to it. Jack was very complimentary of him in yesterday's broadcast, so we reached out to him, and he's been very gracious to join us today. Again, this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Award. Looking at the clock right now, we're going to go right into Terry Wakefield's segment. I'm really looking forward to introducing uh, you to Terry. Terry is someone that I, again, met through Jack and um, Nunnery at Texas Capital Bank. And Jack spoke so highly of what Terry did as following on to the efforts that I had contributed on and when you start with something that's brand new, you really struggle to get it right, and especially when there's, you really want to do something that's unique. And the fact that what Terry has done is he has really found a way to bring a lot of new things that are needed in here through process improvement, and, and I'm really excited to have him on the broadcast. Jack spoke so highly of him. Terry is the president of the Wakefield Company. And he is a mortgage veteran with decades of experience. In fact, we were talking on the phone. He started in the industry in 1972. I started in 1973. I think we're really close to the same age because I had an old extra year to my college education, so I'm suspecting we graduated about the same time. So it's nice to have someone who's been in the industry a little longer because normally it's very rare to find that anymore at uh, when I'm turning 65 this year, so uh, here in, in next month. And I look at this, I go, man, it's so nice to meet someone who's been in this long. But more than that, it's just time. <laughs> he's, you look at where he's been in the industry, and I want to get into a little bit of that as we get to know him. But he touches on all aspects of the mortgage origination, production, servicing, supply chain, management, capital markets, uh, you know, strategic alliances. He has the executive advisory services, so we do some similar things there. But you know what? There's just so much wisdom in the processes. And he has something he talks about, this TWC, or the Wakefield Company's process architecture tools. We're going to get into some of that. I'm not going to have enough time, but I've already been through his website, and he sent me, very graciously sent me, a huge slide deck of content. Folks, there is so much here. So without further ado, let's get into it. Good to have you with us, Terry. Great to be here, Dave. Thanks. Yeah, when you and I talked briefly, and before we get into some of the questions, I, I do want to give our listeners a sense of your history, because it was really pretty interesting how you know where, where your paths have been. So let's connect our audience to some of that history. So that, and a lot of people go, I remember, that, I certainly remember that company, and you mean you were behind the scenes on that? So let's go into that a little bit. You started the mortgage industry in 1972. Give us a real quick, I mean, let's just take maybe one or two minutes max here to kind of cover that so people understand. Okay, great. So uh, out of college, I went to work for a savings and loan, uh, did everything 
that you can possibly do with a mortgage uh, in terms of origination, closing, funding, shipping, servicing, loss mitigation. So I learned I learned from the ground up, which was very very helpful. Probably the most the things I'm most proud of is I was hired by Fannie Mae to launch their mortgage-backed securities business in 1980. My biggest mistake in life was not asking for two basis points of all issued securities. That would have been a great trade. Then I got, as a result of my work at Fannie Mae, I got to meet a guy named, uh, by the name of Lou Ranieri at Solomon Brothers, and I went to work there. And a couple of years after I joined Solomon, I co-founded Prudential Home Mortgage Company. Prudential Home Mortgage Company was a fantastic experience because it was the first time that I was able to apply manufacturing principles to the production of mortgages because we built the first nationwide centralized loan production facility. It was very evident to me after a few months that we weren't in the mortgage business. We were really in the manufacturing business. You don't see manufacturing principles applied to mortgage lending very often, but I can tell you it works. So I've been consulting at the Wakefield Companies. We opened this business in 2003. I've been in probably 37 or 38 different loan production environments, covering all channels of production, all different product types. And every time we've been to a lender, we have taken the output of our work and put it in a database, which we call Implore. And I think we now have discrete metrics on 3,700 discrete mortgage production and origination tasks. So we're in a position to really help clients optimize their infrastructure pretty quickly. Well, that's probably why Jack spoke so highly of you last week when we had him on the broadcast. Uh, He talked about some of the positive – we made a lot of positive comments, but he really talked about how you helped TCB build the new correspondent, uh, the mortgage correspondent aggregation business. How did you – how did your firm contribute to that process, Terry? Well, first of all, let me say it was a real pleasure to work with Jack and his team because they were truly committed to innovating correspondent lending. And, you know, innovation is not something you see a lot of in this business. So I I take my hat off to them because innovation does take courage because there's always an element of risk involved. But we basically did three things for TCB. We designed an optimized end-to-end process using what we refer to as an optimized production time summary, or OPTS, as I will refer to during the broadcast. We then took each task in the OPTS and created a step-level description of each task using what we refer to as task-level detail. We then created an infrastructure blueprint, which provides a graphical depiction of how people, process, and technology, because you have to balance all three how they unite to execute an optimized correspondent lending channel. It's really interesting. So what is OPTS? Okay, the OPTS basically does three things. First of all, it ensures that waste is removed from the process by eliminating non-value-added tasks, such as redundant task performance. We have been in many, many environments where multiple people are doing the same thing. There's really no sense to perpetuating that environment because it constitutes waste. Uh, Second, the OPTS improves workflow and eliminates functional divisions of labor. And finally, the OPTS identifies all the tasks that are subject to automation through the deployment of technology. Fascinating. Fascinating. Wow. Andy? Yeah. Hey, Terry, thanks uh, for being on the show. Great stuff. Can't wait to talk to you more about it. I started as a savings and loan, too, and grew up in savings and loans doing everything 
just like you said, capital markets, accounting, everything, origination. Hey, um, so this eliminating functional divisions of labor sounds like a really interesting, interesting effort, and maybe harder to achieve than than it sounds. But uh, tell me, well, tell me what more about this. What do you mean by eliminating functional divisions of labor? Okay, so you know, virtually all loan production environments that we've seen divide work responsibilities into silos, like loan setup, processing, underwriting, funding, shipping. We believe these functional divisions of labor create very expensive and disruptive bottlenecks. As an example, at the end of the month, as you referred to earlier, those who fund loans are overwhelmed. Uh, They just can't keep up with this month and rush, while their associates are not that busy. So we subscribe to the notion that you need to cross-train the workforce so that all workers can perform all tasks. Now, that requires a certification training program, and we subscribe to to the notion that every time an employee achieves another level of certification, they should get a raise and a bonus. Because if you have an environment where all people can perform all tasks, and you have the right technology, these bottlenecks disappear. Wow, that's cool. That's a change. Well, you know, that that's what innovation is all about. It's changing for the better. Wow, Hi, Terry. This is Alice. So, um, so you know, as educators and trainers ourselves at uh, Mortgage U for almost 20 years now, um, you know, we talk a lot about that task-level detail. So I'd like to hear your description of task-level detail as it relates to the OPTS. Okay, so when, when we enter a production environment, we typically find that there's 300 to 350 tasks being performed by humans. And when we create an OPTS, we get that number down to somewhere between 110, and 50% of those tasks at least are automated. So we're able to take 300 to 350 manual tasks and get that down to somewhere between 55 and 70 manual tasks. So that's where the cost savings come in. But what task level detail does is it takes every task that's in the OPTS and creates step level description of each of those tasks. So to give you an example, if we had 110 tasks in an OPTS, we would have approximately two pages of task level detail for each task. So that's 220 pages of step-level description of how that task needs to be performed. Sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like there's a lot of detail involved in it, obviously, if you look at every single position in the workflow. Well, you're right. It is a lot of work. But as I'm sure you've heard, the devil is always in the details. What's great about the OPTS and task-level details, when they're completed, they combine to put management in control of how work is performed. We'll talk about technology in a minute, but think of it this way. If a task is not in the OPTS or it's not in task level detail, it cannot exist in the production environment. Management is in control. Let me give you an example that that we see in the mortgage industry is that humans continue to orchestrate work. So as a result, if you have 200 people in your loan production environment, you're going to have 200 different processes because humans create manual workarounds to make up for the shortcoming of the technology they're using. And it's impossible to manage 200 different and unknown processes, which is why costs are out of control and compliance is the challenge it is. There's no question that that, uh, that costs are out of control. Compliance, you look at, Alice talks about that all the time on this broadcast. 
But I'm really interested in you talking about what this infrastructure blueprint looks like. Explain that to our audience. Okay, so let me create an analogy for you. Would you build a house without a blueprint? Well, of course not. No. Never. So the infrastructure blueprint is just that. It provides a graphical depiction of how people, process, and technology interact to execute the optimized state. And I'd love to show you one. Uh, we can't show you anything on the radio, but uh, I couldn't even do it if we were on a computer because the IB, or infrastructure blueprint, consists of three three-foot-by-four-foot documents, just like the blueprint of a house. Wow. And what's really cool about the infrastructure blueprint is that it shows all of your third-party business partners where they fit into the process. So when you're ordering a settlement service, when you're ordering closing docs, that vendor can look at the infrastructure blueprint and know exactly where they fit into this process. Wow, this is so cool. I, I love this stuff. I love building a past-level design and then automation to make it work. And the problem is people never cooperate. <laughs> but I, do, I can't get them to do what then I ask them to do. Then there's the people factor. <laughs> then there's the people. <laughs> so, you know, Terry, you've mentioned technology a, a few times, and obviously it's a substantial element to the infrastructure underpinning of this thing. So t tell me, how does technology fit into the picture? So one of the slides that's running in the background of this podcast contains a quote from Bill Gates, who has been uh, pretty successful in his life. And it's worth reading because it is so important. So I'm going to quote, the first rule of any technology used in a business is that automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify efficiency. The second rule is that automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. Oh man, isn't that great? That's cool. <laughs> I, you know, I could state this another way, another way by saying, if you do not optimize your process before you apply technology, there is little to be gained. Yeah, you know, you just can't argue with a Bill Gates. I mean, he, he's right. been there. <laughs> he's been pretty successful at what he's done. So I think he hits the nail right on the head there. And, um, you know, the, the next question might be, well, why don't, why don't lenders do more to optimize their process? And... I think the root cause is that most mortgage companies have too much bias towards the sales side or the marketing side or the origination side of the business, and they don't give sufficient emphasis to the back office operations. And, Alice would be um, playing the few bars of the Hallelujah Chorus if she could. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, we can. I, I, I've lived that story a lot, Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love your quote from uh, Henry Ford, of course, being a Detroiter. Um, if I had asked people... You've heard a few of them, haven't you? Yeah, I have. What they wanted, <laughs> they would have said faster horses, right? So, um, <laughs> anyway... Well, you know, yeah. Alice, that's where vision enters the picture. Mm -hmm. And another thing that was so great about working with the folks at TCB is Jack had a vision mm -hmm. of what he wanted to accomplish. He wanted to be different. He wanted to deliver a better experience to the to the correspondent channel customers, and he had the vision, and the TCB team brought in bought into it. And real real concise innovation requires a clear vision. 
And if you don't take the time to articulate that vision through defining your key business objectives, innovation becomes elusive. Yeah, that is so true. And so let's dig a little deeper into the technology. What's holding the industry back from your perspective? You certainly have a good number of decades looking at it. So what is it? What's holding us back? Well, you know, I could talk about that for hours, Dave, and um, we don't have time for that. But I think the simple answer is that the technology infrastructure that supports the mortgage industry is typically it's hard-coded, it's tightly coupled, and it's old. (laughs) And software has progressed, and we'll get into this in a few minutes, but when you look at just what's happened in human communication patterns, the way people deploy technology today, it's, it's cha- it changes like every five years, I mean, maybe every two years. It's happening so fast yeah. that it's very difficult for hard-coded, tightly coupled, and old technology to be nimble and flexible. And that's what you need to be. It's fascinating. I was talking to my good friend David Allison of Dovermule uh, on Friday, and he says, do you, we were talking about the Black Knight system, the MSP system, and he says, do you realize that Black Knight is still dealing with green screens? It's that old cobalt technology. So this, this is probably the best picture of what you, to underscore what you're saying. And I want to throw Mike back to Alice. But over $5 trillion of loans are being serviced on the Black Knight on that primary system, and it's some of the oldest stuff around. It's It's... It's just archaic, but half of the loans in America are serviced on a system that's still some of the most ancient architecture you've ever seen. It's just to underscore your point. Alice? Uh, So, um, okay, so what do we do about it then? Well, the first thing you have to do is thoroughly document an optimized process. We have some tools to do that, but we don't have a monopoly on that. But if you don't take the time to optimize your process, technology is just not going to deliver, as as Bill Gates has quoted. Now, there's another point that I want to mention here that Jack brought up last week. Andy, you used this phrase earlier about changing the tires on a car going 70 miles an hour. I like to use the analogy changing the wheels on a moving train. It's virtually impossible to take an environment that's producing loans today and think you're going to change it and be successful. Jack mentioned the beauty of their MCA program starting in a greenfield environment. Greenfield environments have no legacy biases. They have no legacy technology issues. You're dealing with a fresh sheet of paper. So we are big believers that if you really want to change your production environment and deploy technology effectively, you literally have to build a new infrastructure from scratch, migrate your existing business onto that new platform, and let the old one fade away. Now, that requires a transformation plan or transition plan, but you know, in a span of a year or two, uh, once your new infrastructure is built, you should be in a position where all of your production is being produced on that new infrastructure. <laughs> this is so much because just that topic you just raised of building the new one and then transitioning and having the new. How do you know how to build the new one the right way? And I mean, there's like Alice said, we're gonna, there's another show right on that topic. We already got underwriting. Now we're gonna have to talk about building the new process. So back on the the whole. Okay, now now what? We've got the so if if we understand how to document our optimized process. I understand the need for that, So, but then what comes next? How, what do we do after that? 
Well, as I just mentioned, you know, software has evolved very quickly, and there are many commercially available products to replace human work orchestration with automated work orchestration. I'll, I'll mention a couple software components. Uh, there's business process management software. There's business rules management software, automated communication software. They're commercially available. I, I've seen them transform other industries. But unfortunately, these core software components have not been effectively deployed in the mortgage industry. Now, there's a couple of other things worth mentioning. There are now firms, and we have a business relationship with a company called Milliman, which is a, one of the largest actuarial firms in the United States, and they have developed models using actuarial science, which allow you to predict the likelihood of loan default and loan repurchase risk while the loan is being produced. Now, if I were a lender, I'd want to know what those risks are before I funded a loan. Yeah, that is... But Jack, oh, sorry, Terry, go ahead. No, no it, it's just it's just these things are evolving so quickly that it takes a you have to have an open mind, you have to be willing to take the risk associated with innovation, but the risks are mitigated if you're choosing the right software components and the right business partners. Exactly. Wow, there's so much here. I was I was on a call with someone recently who who didn't understand what BI was, business intelligence, didn't see the value in it, and didn't want to didn't want to embrace it. There's so much technology support that could be out there that, that's not. And the the actual actuarial process that you described that TCB is using to identify risks. That's another show. I'd love to hear all about that. Talking about Jack last week, Jack talked about process. He used the word process many times, and you know we've all heard about the widget of mortgage banking, you know, defining the mortgage production process. And it's important we need to understand how that works and understand the nuances behind it. So share your thoughts with us on the mortgage manufacturing process. Okay, so that's another topic as you suggested that could take a while. But let me let me use another analogy. When a physical good is manufactured, there are a lot of logistical challenges. Uh, for instance, a few weeks ago, I toured a, st a steel manufacturing facility. The tour lasted two hours because the factory was nearly a mile long. Wow. And when I, f I, when I finished the tour, I was stunned by how few people I saw in this factory. And those that I did see were monitoring systems that were orchestrating and performing work. Yeah, so lots of lots of computers and robots and stuff. So how how does that tie back to mortgage? What's what's your point? Okay, so next time you're at a mortgage lender, ask to tour their loan production environment. What you're likely to see is rows of people in cubicles, files piled on their desktops. Yeah. What's ironic when you think about it is the only thing you need to produce a mortgage is data, and the cost of aggregating, moving, analyzing, and storing data drops every year. And it's certainly easier to manage data than it is to produce steel. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Some people think this is rocket science. So, you know, <laughs> right? So <laughs> we, uh, I, I think, you know, there's still a lot of, you know, I'm an old timer in one way, but then in another way, you know, having seen so many shops, you do see the folks that embrace the technology and base the, embrace the business process improvement. But as a as a whole, the mortgage industry is 
really far behind. I mean, even in education, we see it. They resist even taking the time out to learn, right? I got to go sell. I, I can't be sitting behind a computer in a classroom learning something. So uh, that's one of my comments on why I might attribute it being so far behind. What, what do you attribute to being so far behind other industries when it comes to automation? Well, I think it's really pretty simple. And that is the mortgage industry has no foreign competition. So there's another slide running in the background that shows the cost of originating and producing a mortgage in the United States has increased from $2,113 in 2004 to $7,195 in the first quarter of 2015. That is an increase of 241%. So can you imagine a manufacturer of a physical good surviving if its cost production increased by 241% in the last 11 years? They'd be out of business. Well, I think I'm just going to throw in, I think that plays to, you know, a company like Indicom that is working to find solutions to be able to get those costs down. I mean, that is something that we do, and uh, you have to look globally. That's a great segue into that, <laughs> into that topic. Thank you. Well, you, you. When you look at the many clients that are complaining that compliance-related expenses are killing them, what's your take on that? I mean, what what are you doing, and what, what are you advising people on those points of how to deal with that? Okay, so, you know, Jack really had a uh, great quote last week. He said something to the effect that, you know, if a lender does not get control of its operations, the regulators will. And so far, the CFPB has imposed fines, and this is another slide running in the background here, of over $2.7 billion on the mortgage industry in just the last few years. And that does not include the $150 billion in fines, buybacks, settlements, and legal fees that the industry has incurred since the end of 2008. I think all of this can be traced, all of these costs can be traced back to inadequate infrastructure. And we, we've met with the CFPB. We know what they want. They want an audit trail of all human performance, all system performance, all internal and external communications received, all documents produced, and they want to see it in a virtual loan file. And it's very easy to do everything I just said if you have the right software components. So true. Yeah, it is. It really is. So is that is that the future? What 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 is your perspective on the future? Well, a couple things. Uh, unfortunately, my crystal ball has broken. So <laughs> I can't be, uh, I, I can't read the future with certitude. But I can tell you that the current cost structure is unsustainable. If you study, you know, the MBA performance reports or other sources of information, the only thing that's allowing lenders to profit today is gain on sale. Yeah. So every time they make a loan, they lose money. So I know that the regulatory environment is going to remain stringent. As I said, the current cost structure is unsustainable. Fortunately, the gravity of this problem is getting a lot of attention in the private equity space. And we are involved in a number of initiatives with some well-capitalized firms to fix this infrastructure. There will be some innovators like TCB that emerge, and they have the potential to grab a lot of market share in the next few years from lenders that stand still. I mean, imagine, I'll use some numbers that come from the MBA, direct labor costs today are somewhere between $25 and $2,700 a loan. So imagine what you could do if your direct labor costs were reduced to $600 alone. So yeah. you pick up 
1900 to $2,200 that flows right to your bottom line. And you're saying, well, you, you see that as realistic. You see that as achievable. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, when we do an OPTS, every time we've done one uh, in the last couple of years, the direct labor cost has been somewhere between 600 and $700 per close loan. Now, that doesn't include G&A expenses and occupancy and all the other expenses, but in loan production, direct labor costs drive all other expenses. That is, you know, you sit and look at, it's such a good point. I agree with you, but so many people are looking at the problem. And like your quote that you, know, that, that you said about Henry Ford is, if you had asked Henry Ford, he said, if you had asked, if I'd asked consumers what they wanted, they said faster horses. And, and it's getting outside of this industry to come in with the innovation to really bring back the change. That, that's a really astounding man. <laughs> I want to go look at that more closely. I'd love to have you back, Terry, and talk about it. It's been really good to have you be with us, and you certainly have given us a lot to think about. Can't argue with anything you've said here. It's really solid-based, solid and you've obviously spent the decades in it and looking at it at some really interesting levels. You used to work for Lou Ranieri. That's amazing. That, is a, that in itself is amazing. Folks, uh, we've had as our guest this week uh, Terry Wakefield. Very excited to have him here. He's Chief Executive Officer of Wakefield Company. Uh, if you're on the website, you can go see his contact information is there. If it's not, get a hold of him as his phone number, 262-375-8000. He's at extension 6640, or you can email him, twakefield at twcllc.com. Terry, thank you so much for being with us this week. Uh, I think we're going to have to have you back. There's so much you've opened. You've just cracked the the lid on a very, very big topic. And uh, I can see why Jack was uh, so excited to have, recommending having you on the broadcast. Thank you so much for being with us, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dave. It was great to be here. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us again next week, and thank you for listening.